Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. You're listening to the recorded audio of a special Facebook Live episode called The Black Actor Conference. To watch the full video version, you can visit the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash B-L-A-Q show Michigan or at B-L-A-Q-N.org. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the podcast that well, that where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss topics of equity, diversity, and inclusion. My name is Ashley M. Lyle, and today we are going to do a Q&A. If you haven't gotten the chance, please check out our um, first part of the conference that we had last week, Monday, I'm sorry, last week, Friday, <laughs> last week, Friday, and we discussed various amounts of different topics. Um, but today we've had, uh, we, we thought about this and we decided to do a Q&A. So today I have Dan Johnson joining with me. Hello, hello, everybody. How's I've it got- going? I've got Miles Bond with me today as well. Hi. And and moderating our Q&A is Krista Eubank of Open Book Theater. Hi guys, how are you today? Hi. Thanks again guys for joining me on this and thanks Krista for moderating this. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. Yes. Okay, so what we're going to do, we, there, were a, there were a few questions that were emailed to the Black and email address, and Krista is going to read them off. And if you have any questions um, that just come up to you, uh, leave them in the chat below, uh, and Krista will, will read them off to us. That's my job. <laughs> Are you guys so, ready to get started, or anything else you want to share before we, we jump right in, Ashley? Um, I just want to say again to my panelists in the first part, I appreciate them so much. Um, I, I appreciate that they that they spent their two and a half hours of time out of their day just to be a part of this. And I'm really excited that Miles is here with us today. Yay. So yay. I'm so, so excited. Yes. Um, um I'm, you... I'm excited. Sorry. Um, I'm just excited that they have reopened the probe of Elijah McClain's death. Yes, it is absolutely yes. something that needed to happen. Yes, um, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, because like on all fronts, uh, I am truly excited and heartened by all of the drive for positive transformative change across all levels as it comes to Black people, Indigenous people, people of color, Latinx people in the United States of America. Um, this has been a long time coming but I'm truly, truly glad that we are starting to see some positive transformative action. So yes, I'm happy yeah, about I'm, that. I'm really mm-hmm. glad too. I'm, I'm really glad about how receptive it's been and how there's, mm-hmm. you know, so many people that are supporting this. I, I can't thank it enough, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the amount of support that we're getting just weeds out all, all the negativity that, that, that is there as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, those of you that are listening to us, I can't begin to express to thank you wholeheartedly that you guys are opening up your ears, opening up your hearts and hearing us out, listening yes. to us. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, 
to everybody who's shared, to everybody who's commented, who's sent in a question, um, who's reached out to us either publicly or privately, thank you. Thank you so much um, because I'm pretty sure everybody on this panel, everybody on the previous panel, um, everybody who's gonna be a part of future panels loves Michigan theater. We all love what we do. We all consider ourselves so fortunate to get the chance to be a part of it. Um, and because we all love it so much and because we all care about it so much, um, you know, there are some ways in which we can do better. And that's all we're trying to push for. So thank you. Exactly. We love you. <laughs> do you have anything that you want to say, Miles? Um, just yeah, again, with uh, just what uh, everybody else and Dan have just said, I really do love doing theater. Whenever we are able to get back to doing theater and what we love, um, right. it's it's nice to see positive change. It's, 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 you know, it's been spiraling from everything that's been happening with uh, stemming from George Floyd and uh, the people who are really fighting for change out there. Um, it shouldn't stop there. It should never stop anywhere. You know, we should always continue the conversation and this is just such a good step forward to it. And um, just having watched the first town hall um, and how many people showed up and the panelists were all amazing and had such insightful wisdom and information and stories that they had to share. It's just, it's all, I just, yeah, I just, I see it everywhere. And I love, I love, we love to see it. Um, I love to see all of it happening and I love to see the feedback and, and uh, just, yeah, it really does overpower any other hate or bad language that is being out there because we're actually pushing for something and it's, it's working, it's happening. So yeah, so thank you for everybody. Uh, and thank you for letting me be a part of this. I'm so, so yeah. honored and privileged to uh, get to speak. Yeah. Absolutely. Krista, do you have anything that you want to say um, from your perspective in, from the from the conference? I was I was just so grateful that you guys were willing to to do that and share the stories. And I, you know, I took notes during it about some things. And then one of the one of the questions is mine that's going to come up. Uh, and I just, I'm grateful that you're having the conversation. I'm glad that people are tuning in and having it um, and that you guys are, are continuing to do that. And I know, and I was gonna say this before I started asking you questions. I know you guys don't speak for everybody. You are not, you know, the the, the black reps of Michigan theater, <laughs> but, but you guys have said, this is a conversation we wanna have and you've invited other people to be a part of it. And for that, I'm, I'm really grateful. And I think it's a, it's an important thing. And, and I know we've been talking a lot, sort of the emails back and forth uh, about what we can do and what are the next steps. And, and, and so I think this is a really fantastic first, first step that we're doing right here. And mm -hmm. thank you guys for, for getting it going. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's dive into these questions. I'm all antsy. Let's let's get it going. All right. <laughs> let's dive right in. So I'm I'm literally just here to help to help moderate the questions, and I will also be checking out. If you have a question, put it in the Facebook chat, and I will try to get to it. But we have a few that were emailed in. We'll start with those, and I may uh, turn my my screen on and off so that you don't see me shuffling papers and and reading comments and whatnot because it's not about me. It's about you guys. So you've already sort of addressed a little bit of the first question that I thought would be the best one for us to start off with, which is, why do you think now is the time to change things in Michigan theater? And what would you say to people who say that progress is already being made? 
Ooh. Anybody want to start off with that? Mm. Um, I I will sure. Okay. Um. Well, to start with, um, why is now the time to change things in Michigan theater? Well, we have the time. Um, <laughs> all of these theaters yeah. are currently closed, unfortunately. Um, and I know on my end, that's been hugely frustrating and saddening. Um, but the fact of the matter is, when theaters are up and running, when theaters are in the process of trying to put together show after show after show and season after season after season, and doing all of the administrative work that comes along with that, doing all of the staffing work that comes along with that, um, all of the work that takes place front of house, all of the work that takes place behind the scenes, um, at administrative levels, you know, um, and just the process of putting a show on, it is very easy, I think, uh, in a lot of circumstances for problems that arise or issues that come up to just sort of get pushed aside or set aside till later because we're trying to do this right now. We need to keep the lights on. We need to keep the theater running. Um, so yes, we acknowledge that this is a problem. Yes, we understand that this is a concern, but we just don't have the time or the energy or the focus to address it right now. Um, but now in the absence of that particular pressure, there is time to discuss these things. Uh, there is time to discuss in certain cases injustices or imbalances or things that do need to be addressed and have been in some instances going on for a while and that people have acknowledged as a problem um, but have never really been fully acted upon. So in one sense, I think that is um, why it's the time. In another sense, it's always been the time. Um, the best time to start addressing an injustice, the best time to start righting a wrong uh, was yesterday. But the second best time is right now. Yeah. Um, particularly when it comes to, you know, issues of race, uh, particularly when it comes to issues of inclusion. I, I know I've been around for a little bit. Um, I've been working professionally at least for about 10 years and I've done, you know, community theater for going back to when I was eight. Um, it, it, these are conversations that I've had uh, privately or in some cases publicly with a lot of people growing up in Michigan theater. And yet for all of the conversations and all of the talking um, and in some instances, a little bit of action I don't truly believe that enough has been done to positively transform the Michigan theater community. And I think the way uh, it should be, which is to me, a working environment, a theater environment, a creative environment, um, even an audience environment that is more inclusive and safer and more welcoming to everybody. Um, and I do, like I said, acknowledge that in some areas steps have been made. Um, but it's hard sometimes not to feel like those steps are merely token steps, you know, um, steps to possibly appease, um, steps to make people less upset. Um, oh, like that year at the Academy Awards, when Halle Berry won Best Actress, and Denzel Washington won Best Actor, and Cindy Poitier got a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, 
Denzel and Halle Berry didn't win for their best performances that they ever gave, hmm. but people understood that there was some upset. So that's how they chose to address it. Um, sometimes the actions that have been taken in the Michigan theater community feel similar to that. Um, so we can do better than that. I know we can do better than that. So let's do better than that. Yeah. Um, there really is no wrong. I mean, there is, really is technically no phrasing. Uh, it has to be, you have to be willing to do it in an uncomfortable wrong time to come about any change. Like not everything can be like this comfortable thing that happens in a comfortable controlled environment. Um, I think our most, most of our growth as, as even as actors or as educators or as anything come from the uncomfortable moments. And so when it comes to like, why is, why is now the right time or why is yesterday or why is wherever, it's not necessarily the right time. It's just the, it's just the time that it's, I guess it's called for and it's needed and it's like said best and that kind of thing. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, just, it's not that it's necessarily the right time. It's just that it's like a, the most, the time where people are on edge and uncomfortable and stuck at home and all this stuff, it's, you know, it just, it's like, it's like, bit of, it's that big elephant in the room at that point, you know, the eyes are all on B, uh, BIPOC. Um, and those artists and all people all around the world in that, and it's, it is a good time, but it's also just a very uncomfortable time as well. So uh, I feel like that's what makes it the right time. Mm -hmm. Cool, um, uh, anything else before we jump to our next, our next question? No, go ahead. Actually, I'm gonna grab my computer charger. So give me just a sec. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll keep going, but grab that computer <laughs> charger. So we, we, we don't want, she's, she's hosting the Zoom. We'll go dead if she doesn't do that. So my next question it, it was a jumped off of something that Mike said last week in the conference, talking about feeling sort of unwelcomed at the beginning and sort of not until till the end of the process, feeling like he was part of a cast and feeling mm -hmm. like that was a very sort of unwelcoming environment for him as a black person. And so my question is, the question is sort of, obviously all casts sort of have a, have a bonding period that happens, but what can be done at the outset in particular to help, to help everybody, but in particular, um, black actors feel, particularly if you're part of a cast where you are the only person, feel like you're like, like you're part of that that group and welcomed. Are there specific things that you wish you had been done? Are there things you've seen that have helped make that process better? How can how can that environment in the rehearsal room become more welcoming? I think um Mike really, really touched on it just so simply just saying, just say hi to us, just talk to yeah, us, Yeah, you know? Um, it doesn't have to be where it's just an all out show, like, hey girl, how you doing? You don't have to do all that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just, just talk to us, you know, like if it's something that you like what we did, congratulate us saying, oh my God, I love your work, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Um, Cause we're just people too. 
we're, no. we're not we're not these the, we're not aliens from another planet i mean we're extraordinary we're all extraordinary <laughs> but you know we're not impervious to simple conversation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right i think i think part of that um has to go with this idea of letting go of preconceptions oh yeah um because it, because this is something like I, i'll admit on on my end um there have been a lot of times when i've been the only person of color um working on a theater project um in a couple of cases i've been the only person of color working on a theater project on any level from front of house to back of house to admin to creative team to actors to designers um I don't automatically assume when I walk in the door that all white people are going to be a certain way. You know, um, I do my best to take people as people because that's the way that I personally would like to be taken. Um, honestly, anything that you might think of me, especially if we've never even met, is, is something that you're walking in with. You know, it's, it's not something that I'm putting out there. So try to free yourself of that particular approach to looking at people, yeah. you know? Um, ooh, also, if there are more than a couple of us working on a show together, um, please don't be scared. Like, it's okay, because I've seen this as well so many times when, you know, there'll be two or three actors of color or people of color on a break talking together and then all of a sudden there's always going to be that one random person who just sort of does a walk by just checking how's everything going are you Investigating. guys plotting a rebellion what are you what are you doing over there? <laughs> no 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 we're just going over notes um you know but in the in the same way that i think um many white theater professionals when they walk into a theater environment expect to be allowed the freedom to be completely themselves including in interactions with others, um, we expect the same thing. And when we are similarly to white people in a situation where we're among a group of people who have a common experience, we might behave in a particular way towards each other that we might not necessarily behave in um, with you as a white theater professional, which is okay. We're not trying to say that you're terrible we're not trying to say that there's something that you're doing is wrong or improper or indecent it's just us again just people being people um so i think that's something that could also be addressed the 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 level of stress that can sometimes occur when more than two of us or even just two of us are working on a show together it's it's okay i promise we're, we're, we're good. We don't bite. It's yeah, no, and it's much. like, and it's it's so wonderfully simple. Um, and Dan put it so well. Like we we're not asking for any more, or any less than you're getting. We're just asking for the equal kind of respect that goes with that. Um, you know, and you know, clicks happen. You know, it, it's not even has something. It doesn't have anything to do with race. It's sometimes sometimes with clicks. Um, but like, you know, if there's more than two or three black people conversing, it's because, well, we have similar shared experiences that, you know, certain other people can't, they don't, they can't understand, they don't get, they won't ever be able to. And I think it's important to understand that and realize that 
and that and just know that it's okay but also just you know it's no different than when you know two or three people who know each other in a cast and you know don't know everybody else form a clique mm-hmm. it's like really not that different all we're just all we're really asking for is equality i guess for lack mm-hmm. of a better lack of a better term it's it just seems that simple yeah you know and and again just this idea of treating others the way that you would want to be treated like similarly when i'm talking about you know it's okay to let three black people alone in a room when we're working on a project together um if i was working on a show and there happened to be a group of latinx actors who are all communicating with each other in a group Mm -hmm. on a break my reaction wouldn't be okay so what are they doing Mm -hmm. what about their particular experience you know are they trying to because it's not about that you know just just try to do unto others again the same that you would have done unto you Mm -hmm. um i've got we've had a couple of questions that are that are sort of in a similar vein so i'm gonna sort of about choosing shows um about by black uh playwrights and about the black experience so the what i'm gonna start off with there was some discussion in, in last week about ragtime kept coming up and that Ooh. there are some wonderful parts in there but there is also some very problematic racist stuff in there and you guys talked at length about that so check out that video if you haven't already and and hear about that but so the question sort of is about these these shows that are written by by white authors and some of this white saviorism that shows up in them. And so the question is, so should theater stop producing shows like Ragtime because of the white authorship? But then does that take away opportunities for black actors and are plays and musicals by a white author, but which address race inherent, inherently problematic and should not be produced. So that's sort of a multi-layered question in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But you, say, you, you started that, Miss Lyle. I sure so. did. I sure did. And, and I stand completely by what I said, that it does have a problematic notion of white saviorism. Now, let me make one thing clear. Ragtime is a beautiful show. It really is. Um, does it have the trope of white saviorism in it? Yes, it does. But does it also explore the uh, problems of racism, xenophobia, elitism, classism in one musical. You you honestly don't find musicals that are like that. Like it's in its own separate category to tackle all of that in one two and a half hour show. Um, And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but it shouldn't always be the default, especially when you're talking about shows regarding police brutality, racism, classism, elitism, all of the isms and phobias. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Ragtime is a wonderful show that should definitely be a, uh, uh, should be presented in a uh, theater that predominantly does musicals. However, there is a level of responsibility to that show. If all you want to do, if the only reason why that you want to do that show is because it sounds pretty or because it sounds nice, then you're already doing a complete injustice, a disservice to that show. Um, I had a conversation, actually more of a debate with somebody regarding this, where 
they wanted to do this theater, this show at their theater. And someone else chimed in saying that, oh, well, your theater needs the orchestra to do it because it's a full orchestra show. Then I chimed in and said, and you also need more black people in that show because you can't rotate out of three black people that come to your theater on the regular just to do that show. At the very minimum, you need at least 10 black actors for that show. So this person replied back saying, well, if you build it, they will come. And then that goes back to what I was saying before that it's not the actor's job to find other people of color to perform in the show. Yeah. It's just not. And if you're just only wanting to do the show because it sounds pretty because of the beautiful orchestration, then you're, you're already disrespecting the show in its entirety. If a theater does not fully understand a show like Ragtime with all the different isms and phobias in it, you shouldn't be doing that show. Mm -hmm. It's a level of heaviness to that show and the orchestration makes it sound prettier and makes it more palatable for the audience to deal with. But in reality, it is a very heavy show, very heavy. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just, it's not, it, it, and it's not to bring this musical down. It's not like Legally Blonde where you have some blonde just flipping, twirling her hair in a pink outfit. It's just, it's not a show like that yeah. at all. Um, but I do think that, like I said before, do ragtime. If your theater really wants to do it, do it, but do it properly. Get you at least a minimum of 10 black actors for the black cast. And then let's also make one other thing clear that for the immigrant cast should not be completely comprised of the white actors. That's when you also need your other actors of color to fill up the uh, immigrant side, because that's the whole, that's the whole xenophobia, racism aspect coming into play. Um, the times that I've seen it was done beautifully, where you had the two, where you had the three different groups of people, immigrants, blacks, and uh, the white people, just kind of rotating around each other, watching and keeping an eye on each other, and that's to let you know, like, I'm here, I'm watching you, whatever you're doing, I'm watching you. So when you have that level of suspicion starting up at the very beginning of that show, that already lets you know where the show is going to go. But if you let it drop in that show, then you've already dropped the show. Well, I mean, if you let it drop in the show by not casting the show as written and not honoring the intentions as written, then you've, you've yeah. already let it drop and you've already basically let one of the key issues of that show go which means at that point, it is yet another form of appropriation. Um, to use like a, a ha more, less heavy example, um, Hairspray, which is another show that is very popular, is another show that is a great musical with a lot of great parts for a lot of great actors. It is specifically about the civil rights movement in the 1960s. And yet it took until this year for it to be established by the creators of the show, which in and of itself kind of blew my mind, but better late than absolutely never, um, that no, just because you want to sing Motormouth Maybell, if you are not a black person, you should not be singing that part. Dark skinned black person too. 
Oh, that see, clear. We'll, oh, we will even absolutely get into that because that came up as well. Um, the character of Seaweed in Hairspray has a lyric about the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. Don't cast someone who looks like Drake. That song is not particular. It's, it's, it's not written for them. Because again, all black people are not the same. We are not a monolith. We all have different experiences. And that's one of the, I mean, you can expand that to everybody. You can expand that to indigenous people. You can expand that to Latinx people. All of us have different backgrounds and experiences and all of us can bring all of these things to a show. But you need to be honest about the show that you're doing. You absolutely have to. Yeah. Or else again, you're basically doing nothing but appropriating your actors, appropriating your material, appropriating the subject matter, which even in Hairspray, as happy and jolly as it is, explicitly deals with racism, which is one of the most difficult and fraught and painful subjects that the world, but in particular the United States, has ever had to deal with and is still dealing with. So you need to keep all of that in mind and not just pick a show because you like the music. Do the show, honor the intentions of the show, or don't do the show. Like Ashley said, it's always Legally Blonde. And even with Legally Blonde, you, you, it's not just about some blonde bimbo, you know, she actually goes through some stuff, especially with, with some dude that doesn't deserve her time and she's trying to make him, uh, uh, she's trying to give her her time, <laughs> trying to give him her time. Um, but she ends up proving something to herself and to everyone else around her that she she can roll with the big dogs and that she can handle her own and actually is an incredibly intelligent human being. Mm -hmm. It's still super light compared to what a, a situation like that could be, but that's just to make it, again, palatable to make it uh more um uh money worthy to go see especially with all the flips and turns and nonsense so what what i think i'm hearing you you saying is that in these shows to be to to, to be careful about what those things are know what they are going into them make sure you've got the proper casting um and and to, and to look out for the problems in them and is there sort of a, a white savior issue and how do you deal with that? Um, yeah, is that a, is it? Yeah, a and, and I think the other thing too, and this this is just clearly my opinion, but I think if a theater were to do ragtime, aside from when they do a reading, you know, just a, a quick read through for the first night, the second night should be a moment where everybody talks about the issues that are in the show. So that way everybody has a clear understanding of what's going on and they have a round table discussion of what they believe is going on, you know? Oh, but that's uncomfortable though. Oh, but they shouldn't do the show. Well, is it, I always think the theater should be the place, like, like the safe place to be unsafe, right? It should be exactly. the place where we can have these yeah. discussions in a safe place. Right, exactly. and don't do the show if you can't have if right. you can't have a discussion about. Race. I was just talking to um, to a friend of mine, Chardé, where where we were discussing art, and I said art is a form of political rebellion. That's, so you art is political rebellion, and if people can't handle art, or like for example, how so many people got mad about Mike Pence being called out at the Hamilton show. 
that's too bad because that's what art is here for. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. Art, if it truly is serving a function and if it truly has any purpose and any lasting worth is inevitably at some point going to touch on the political. It's going to touch on the cultural because art is ultimately a reflection of who we are as a society, as people, as individuals and groups within a particular society. Um, anyone who tells you that art is or can be completely apolitical is lying to you to try to sell you something or else they've written the most anodyne art possible that also could be the case. So, so let's, I wanna, I wanna keep moving. Uh, another question about, about shows that are appropriate to do and direct you. So this one came in via email too, and it started off with some really thanking you and, and saying how great it was last week. Uh, but, but the question is this, as a white cis female director, I'm always looking for good shows to direct. And as someone hoping to change Michigan theater for the better, I'm always looking for ways to cast more BIPOC actors. Already looking for shows with diverse characters and open to non-traditional casting, but I'm unsure about whether it's okay for me to look at shows written by black authors about the black experience or any other minority experience. For instance, would it be appropriate if I wanted to direct a show like Kill Move Paradise? I pride myself on being a director who collaborates with her actors rather than projecting my views onto them, but I worry that it might seem like appropriation or otherwise just wrong. I'd love to hear your take on it. So talk about that. Talk about I'll that with you two boys. about the Black experience being directed and produced by white theaters. And some before, I'm sorry, I meant to say this before the question. Some questions are already coming in on the comments. Fabulous. Oh, yeah. And if you're not comfortable nice, doing that, you can private nice. message me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to go it. read those questions. I'm going to duck out while you guys talk. Okay. Yes, engagement. We love it. <laughs> we love to see it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I can I can start off if that's okay, Miles. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so actually, I want to touch briefly on um, something that had been mentioned in a previous question because I think it ties into this one pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, are musicals or plays that deal with the subject of race, but are written by white people? or people outside of that particular race or ethnic group inherently problematic? Um, I think this is a similar sort of question. Mm. Is it inher inherently problematic for someone who is outside of a particular group to work on a show that has been written by people of a particular group or that is about the experiences of a particular group from that particular group's perspective? In my opinion, though I can absolutely respect people who would have a contrary argument, my answer to that would be no, I don't think in and of itself, it's inherently problematic. Um, my logic behind that is, for me, carried to its logical conclusion, the idea that there is something so specific and universal I mean, excuse me, so specific about a particular group of people um, that absolutely none of the experiences that those people have can be communicated to a larger group um, or to someone who is without, uh, outside of that particular experience. My worry with that is carried to its conclusion. I feel like that ultimately says that there's no real effective way for us to communicate with each other about our experiences. Um, 
I do truly believe that art is meant to be for everybody. I do truly believe in the value of art and the value of theater as a tool to help teach people about experiences that they may not personally have or share. Um, so no, I don't think in and of itself, it's inherently problematic. Having said that, it is extraordinarily problematic when someone outside of that particular group decides to engage with a play on any level, whether writing it, producing it, uh, directing it, about a particular experience that they do not share, then brings people in who do have a connection to that particular experience and then tries to tell the people who have that particular experience what their experience actually is. Mm -hmm. um, to, to use Kill Move Paradise as an example, um, just because it was a show that um, has been popping up a lot in the media recently. Um, absolutely, I do think that a white director could direct Kill Move Paradise. Um, one, do your research. Yes. One, absolutely do your research. Mm -hmm. Two, understand that even with all of the research that you do, there are going to yeah. be things that are unfamiliar to you yeah. or that you might be confused by or that you might not understand off the bat. Three, trust the people that you are working with who you have brought in to help bring this particular experience to life because they absolutely will be drawing from their own experiences in order to help produce a particular piece of art. And four, and this is most crucial, if one of those people working on a particular project tells you that something is a problem and you don't happen to come from that particular experience, the correct answer is not, never has been and never will be, well, but this is how I see it. Well, no, but actually this is what I was going for. Well, no, I can see how you might feel that way, but what actually is going on is the only correct response in those scenarios is, okay, I see that you have a problem. How can we make it right for you? What can we do to address the problem? What can we do to fix the problem? It, it, to me, it's as simple as that. Yeah. If, some, if someone is coming to you from a particular experience saying something about this is problematic, it's never your job to say, no, it's not. And in fact, if you are of a mindset to say that, well, no, they're just having concerns about whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, again, that's appropriation. And at this point, it's not only appropriation, but it's also a form of oppression because what you are doing is telling people that their actual experiences and their actual lived truths as people of a particular group do not matter more than your want to portray their experiences, which they're offering up to you in the manner that you see best, in the manner that makes you most comfortable, in the manner that you might feel might make audiences most comfortable, um, which again comes back to knowing the show that you're doing and committing to the show that you're doing. Yeah. Um, I will give an example of a particular discussion I had 
involving this as a as a show um where i was doing something that i kept getting a note on um because of the intensity of it and i couldn't understand given the circumstances of the play and the circumstances of the role why i kept getting that note because it was meant to be an intense situation in which i was supposed to respond intensely Finally, I was told that the reason that I kept getting that note is because there were concerned that audiences should feel, would feel scared by it. My response in total was they should be. Because again, if you're going to talk about these issues, if, if you are dedicated to bringing these issues to the stage, awesome, that's what we're advocating for, that's what we want to see, that's what we're happy to help be a part of but you need to take it how it is and how it is is not your perception of how it is but how we are telling you how it is and well i talked a lot was... <laughs> we're used to it dan but we love you you know uh, absolutely um no <laughs> dan back to the palatable palatable stuff i'm sorry miles i didn't mean to cut you off no that's okay go ahead uh, that's um, all I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah, no, Dan really touched on a lot of uh, a lot of it. You know, you have to first of all, um, with sp specifically with Kill Move Paradise, because that is one of the extremes as far as the black experience goes, um, and just like you know, banking off of black trauma and all that stuff, it it, it yeah. doesn't get much deeper than that. You know, and in and, and it's a show where moments are supposed to be super uncomfortable like I, I i think that that word probably is used in the script so many times within stage directions or whatnot you have to be comfortable with doing that and to do that you have to be willing to be receptive to all this kind of stuff as a director and as anybody else who's working on the show and you have to take that into account into the majority of the account especially if you're working with all black actors and you're you know a white director coming from a white experience that can't even begin to you know know what that experience is like and you um and there's uh you just you have to be open-minded and you have to be willing to do that live in the uncomfortable live in it mm -hmm. sit in it do all of that in yeah. the uncomfortable um and when some yeah and when something's wrong it, like it, it, it's the, it's the same thing as if um is if if you say uh, and, and this was definitely using the last at all but um it, it's, it's the same thing as saying like this might be racist but or if this I, I know this may come off racist but if you have to even go in saying that you already know the answer you already know the answer to it you literally just said it then yes is definitely racist is definitely inappropriate um you just yeah just the again you have to be willing to be wrong and I feel like that's a thing that everybody in this everybody in anywhere ever <laughs> should be okay with with doing because that's how you learn and that's how you you know move on with things and stuff like that and with with um any show that you're going into uh where you don't really know or really can't attempt to know like an experience like that you yeah you just have to really collaborate and yeah. it can't be it can't be a one-sided thing it can't be this is this is we're going we're going to do it this way because i say that because i say that we're doing it this way um and because this is what this is what makes sense but 
that's not really, you know, um, it's also, I mean, and, and, and again, actors definitely come into account with that. You have to be able to advocate and speak up for yourself as well. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's a two-way street. You have to be willing to accept these things and be open to them in order for it to make a change or do whatever. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. I, lo I loved what you said about sitting in the uncomfortability. Um, that's a very fair ask, uh, particularly if you're talking about race because oftentimes if you're doing a show about race, that's what you're asking your actors to do. And more than asking them to sit in it, you're asking them to expose it publicly. Sometimes five times a week, sometimes six times a week, sometimes seven times a week, sometimes eight times a week. And so for the actors involved at least, there's never a buffer. There is never a buffer. And so I think a very small and more than reasonable price is for a director or a producer or, you know, a theater that may not have that particular experience to go, oh, so this is rougher than I thought it was going to be. Or, oh, I didn't quite understand how much I didn't know. Or, oh, this actually really hurts. I, I think that's fair. Yeah, more, more than. I there are a couple of things that came up in the chat ab ab about this and I want to hit on them briefly with a quick question and then move on to a couple of the other things not that yes. we couldn't talk about some of these issues for hours um, but this is why we're starting a conversation which is great there are a couple of sort of questions that I think we sort of tackled in terms of how how can we honor well, when we're talking about a show that, that deals specifically with racism or the black experience in ways that that might be difficult um, you know, how we talked about honoring the show. And one of the questions was, what does that look like? And I think we answered things about, yes, in the casting, yes, in discussions, in the rehearsal room, um, in the staging. We talked about that a little bit, but we had two different comments here that mention program notes, talkbacks, dramaturgy. And I think we start talking about how we, how we translate that to the audience. So we can do some of that work in, in the rehearsal room and, you know, in table work and, and, and all of our prep work. And how can we, you know, if we're doing the, the, if we're steeping ourselves in the history, for instance, in hairspray, you know, there obviously there's the story that's on stage, but how can we also get our audience, um, how can we bring our audience into that discussion, both through what we put in the program and through talkbacks and programming and, and that sort of thing. So, so let's talk briefly about that and then I have at least one more question I wanna make sure we hit before we run out of time. Yes, yes, that. yes. Um, well, okay, I guess I started saying something first, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think on so many levels, people don't necessarily take into account the level of audience engagement that you can have from the second they walk into the door of a theater. Um, so if you are talking about a show that does deal with race, you know, put up a billboard, put up some contextual notes, have things, displays for people to see, um, you know, possibly if you have the technology, if you have the financial capability, some sort of video chat um, from an internet standpoint, because I know a lot of theaters right now are producing a lot of virtual content, uh, absolutely produce videos that happen to touch on particular issues that the play addresses, you know, and you can send those out to subscribers, you can send them out to 
Facebook or your social media accounts uh, as another way to get people involved in thinking about those issues even before they sit down in the theater. Um, once, of course, they sit down in the theater, of course, director's notes are hugely helpful in terms of providing context. Um, I think in dealing with shows like this, um, well, shows that deal with, you know, experiences of race, um, I always appreciate personally when a director or a creative team acknowledges, you know, while working on this process, these are the things that I learned. These are the things that I weren't, uh, was not aware of. These are the things that I experienced or that we experienced as a cast, as a company, um, sometimes as a theater. You know, this is how this show affected us. This is how working with this particular material, working with these creative professionals affected all of us. Um, which is again, I think a way to prime the audience to, you know, enter in from a more inclusive standpoint and to get them to consider things that they might not have considered had they just had no context and sat down and watched the show. Um, from a talkback standpoint, um, the value of letting people speak for themselves is so crucial. And I think it's something that often gets underlooked, uh, um, overlooked, excuse me, um, whether it's concerns that, you know, people might not say the right thing or people may offend a particular audience member. Um, we're all professionals. Like no one in a talk back is necessarily going out to fight an audience. Um, we, we, we want to explain what we're doing. We want to have that conversation. Um, but I've, I've seen several talkbacks where there have been golden opportunities to actually talk about issues and include the audience in discussing those issues that have gotten sort of steamrolled because whoever was moderating, whether that be a director or a manager or somebody like that, started getting too uncomfortable. Um, so I think being mindful of that and letting people talk. Let and people now I talk, Dan. I, exactly. I will shut up now. Okay. Yeah, let people talk, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to, uh, I'll put this question out there and then somebody other than Dan, no, I'm just giving a hard time, start off by answering. Uh, but somebody asked, can you share some of your experiences about equitable creative spaces where y'all <clears throat> feel like you can create and express freely, um, either from your own experience or thoughts on what that can be? Um, wow, yeah. Uh, one of the last shows I worked on was, um, Brokeology uh, with the DATC, the Detroit Actors Theater Company, um, and our director was really and, and she, it was a show about a, a, a black family um, dealing with you know being broke and being you know just like just and the struggles that come with a family. Now uh, the way that she approached it, I think, was very well. Like before we even started, after we did a read through, or I think it was during the read through, or somewhere within that she really wanted to get into our heads about what we were thinking about our characters and like what you know our family experiences were and like how we could connect and how we could interact as a family instead of just like you know getting straight to blocking and like giving 
not really specific reasons on why we should be wherever. And she just let us again, when, when we got in the space, she let us move around the space, get, get acquainted with it. And it was just really awesome to be able to have the conversation first before anything else happened to just where we were um, in our heads about it and made sure that we were comfortable doing this. And I don't know, it was just an awesome energy to bring to it. And it was just an awesome energy to be around. Like I was really excited to go to rehearsals um, for that show because of how we how we got to know each other and connect that way as actors and then with um, our directors and, and stuff like that. Um, I think a lot of people call it, I think, table work. Um, I think it's very, very beneficial and crucial for any play, especially ones with like, you know, of a serious tone or, you know, maybe if you're a director and you know, have ideas and whatever, it's it's a good way to get um, involved in that in it that way. But yeah, it was just a really positive experience that I remember doing that. One of... Uh the most creative projects or theaters that I got the chance to work with was with Untheater. And their, um, their show of Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind. Um, for those of you that, that are not familiar with it, um, it's uh, the, the AD of that theater company is Christina Kilmar. And it's such an interesting concept. If you don't know what it is, I, I highly recommend that you do a quick Google search and find out what it is. Um, but Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind allows you to write your own short play, depending on how many minutes it is. It could be 30 seconds to two minutes long, um, where you can talk about things that, that bother you in particular or just nothing at all, just something to create and that was that was definitely one of the most creative experiences that I really got so far in my career. Um, other theaters that I've worked with, um, I, I particularly enjoy a great table read and especially if the table read extends the second or the third day because mm -hmm. then that way you can actually you know, bite your teeth into it and actually tear it apart and actually look at your character, look at the scene that they're doing. Why are they doing this? Um, and I all I I personally like when I have somebody challenge what I'm thinking because I may think of it in a different way, but then they see it one way and they explain how they see it. And if I am if I'm able to understand it, then that's another way for me to look at it as well. So I, I definitely enjoy really great table reads. Yeah. Now it's your turn, Dan. Thanks. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so, so, so I could talk about a number of different places. For me, I think overall the things that sort of unite equitable creative spaces have just been the fundamental mindset that we are all people gathered together to work on a project and to do all of our jobs to the best of our particular abilities. Um, any theater that I have gone into with that particular mindset um, and that also approaches things from as open and inclusive of a mindset as possible on all fronts, um, whether that comes from play selection, whether that comes from, uh, excuse me, both racially conscious and race transcendent casting. Um, 
whether that comes from concerted efforts to actually include people of color um, in non-acting roles, but in design roles and stage managers as directors. Um, those to me have been the most personally fulfilling creative spaces I've been in. The, the theaters and the places and the people that have put in all of the work before I even set foot in the door. Mm. Um, those are the places that have meant the most to me and where I have felt most free to uh, do, do whatever it is I do. Fantastic. All right, I have two more questions before we're done. So we're gonna go a little over our time, but we're gonna try to try to keep good. it in. So the, the first thing is is more of a, less of a question, but sort of more of a, will you talk more about uh, the inequity in training for black artists and the impact that that has Ooh. on casting in general and in Michigan in particular? So that's we'll one more question after that. So talk a little bit about that, please. I think that inequity training, first of all, any theater should have a board, uh, oh, any theater that has a board should have somebody that is a casting director that constantly keeps an open mind regarding diversity. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Because when you have a board that were as for example if they don't have somebody that's in charge of casting it's not brought to their attention or they willfully will not acknowledge it um and then when you have directors coming in who want to do a show and you know have different multitudes of different identities in the shows and then you have like an ad telling you no that's not going to sell right because of that person or because of the way they look or the way that they're shaped or whatever you know it, it's it's i think the training comes from first of all doing your google research that's mm -hmm. number one you can't always rely on projects such as this you know telling you like this is what happened and this is why it's wrong you can't always depend on projects like this because sometimes they're a dime a dozen um and then it also has to do with like i said before it has to do with an open mind and an open heart to be willing to have different identities coming in and voicing their opinion and having that open door policy. You know, it's not like our nine to fives where they say it's an open door policy, but it's really not, you know? So we have to, and definitely egos have to be brought down severely. Because if somebody's coming to you saying, well, you know, this part right here doesn't feel right, why should I do it this way? I think if I do it this way, it'll look, it'll look and sound better. The response should not be what well, we're doing it anyway. It should be the opposite. Be willing to be open towards that. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of it too starts with being comfortable with casting somebody that you maybe 
have never worked with um as opposed to just keep casting the consistently with the same people um that you usually work with I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that but i do think there's something more to be said about reaching new voices as well because you i think you come up with new opinions and new everything that way um i think it creates another level of open-mindedness um just based off of the talent and that the talent that you see there like in front of you at an audition or a callback or whatever um, you know, and having having faith in somebody that way, I think, is so, just so powerful and s just gives you, uh, you know, you and everybody else on a board or anybody else in another theater company to do the same. I think it starts there. And just to kind of add on to what you were saying, Miles, about... Um... Damn it, Go ahead, Dan, because I know you're bu you're bursting at the seams. I can't I can't remember no, exactly no, 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 what no. I was going to say. Um, um, I, I I think this is at least for me the, the the simplest way I can explain it. White theater professionals are given the opportunity to suck all the time. Hmm. Give black people the same opportunity. <laughs> give latinx people the same opportunity yeah. give indigenous people asian american people give lgbtqia plus actors the same opportunity give all of us the same opportunity i freely admit from my own experience that the only reason that i've been able to do what i have done in the past couple of years is because when i was starting out i was given those chances to fail i was given those chances to learn i was given those chances to grow and that honestly looking back on it feels like more of a lucky accident than anything else yeah. and it shouldn't be a lucky accident it's not that there aren't so many fabulously talented black theater professionals in the state that is absolutely 100 percent not the case there was a fantastic panel of them on last week there's going to be another fantastic panel of them on next week the problem is the chance to practice their skill and practice their art and practice their craft on all levels, administratively, uh, front of house, back of house, apprentices. Um, fundamentally, we aren't being given those chances. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the time when theater decides that they need one of us, we're suddenly put on this sort of stage as not only us doing our job, but also as representatives of all of us and if we happen to suck then by extension all of the black theater professionals that you aren't seeing might not be as good as a white theater professional which is not the case at all so give us the chance to suck <laughs> that was well put <laughs> very well put <laughs> um one one last question uh, and then, and we'll, we want to make sure before we go to tell you what we have coming up. So don't don't let us forget that. Um, but one last question before we go is: any advice for folks who are trying to create change in this area and are experiencing resistance from leadership in their organization? It can feel hopeless. So, what advice do you have for for people who are trying to make this change? maybe from, from lower positions in a theater and, and are getting that with resistance from, from other folks. Do a town hall. 
don't know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, just start start a conversation anyway. You know, uh, I think social media is like a really really powerful thing, and it has been forever, but especially now. Um, I feel like it just takes the courage to be vocal about this stuff. And then maybe you'll get other people there and then you can collaborate that way. And then, you know, just keep it on everybody's mind. Keep it circulating. Just, just, just talk about it. You know, if it's just on your wall or on your Twitter or wherever, just, yeah. I mean, be, be vocal that way. Just be vocal. Just talk, just say something. It can't, there's no easy start to anything really so yeah just just uh go ahead dan huh no 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 i want you go ahead and speak oh well thank you thank you so much um (laughs) i can't um you're gonna you're gonna be met with resistance because people don't like change um especially when you have people that are ADs or presidents of a theater and they're of a particular age, they are set in their ways and they just don't, it's like, it's like trying to move a brick wall. Um, The only thing that I can say is that from my experience, even after you try to work with them, try to propose with to them uh, this idea of doing something that brings in more uh, BIPOC actors, find a place that will accept it. There are other theaters in Michigan, you know, that that will be a bit more receptive. Um, I mean, I can only speak on my experience because that's what I ended up doing. Um, When I was met with resistance from a president of a theater company and they weren't hearing it. So I moved on. And I found plenty, several of other theaters within Michigan that did have that that did have that receptiveness of accepting different ideas and and whatnot. But there's still change that needs to happen in that regard. But point is is that you can always find a space that will be receptive to you or you can create your own space. Create your own space, create your own platform, create something that will that where you where you can control it, where you can put people of different identities out there in the forefront that other people aren't willing to do. Um Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so keeping in mind that all of this ultimately has to do with choices. It has to do with choices that people make, um, particularly people often in positions of power and who have influence make. Um, let me ask a very fair question. Who in 2020 would choose to be seen as racist? At this Who point. in 2020, even if you don't personally happen to understand everything that's going on right now, would want to be publicly seen as a non-inclusive or actively racist institution or an actively LGBTQIA plus institution? 
or in, in an, uh, an organization that actively discriminates against Black, Indigenous, people of color, or Latinx artists, or Native American artists, or other artists. So fundamentally, I can't understand why that's a choice that you would want to make. Um, going further than that, that's not an acceptable choice going forward. It just isn't. It may have been in the past, and honestly, it never really truly was, but certainly at this particular moment, it's not acceptable anymore because what you are fundamentally saying, if you're talking about resistance, um, this idea that things are the way that they are, particularly when we were talking with institutions and all of us on this panel, on previous panels, have worked in some of these institutions. What you're basically saying is that no person of color ever needs to be a part of your theater again. Mm -hmm because you are unwilling to provide them with a safe environment. You are unwilling to provide them with an inclusive environment. You are unwilling to provide them with an environment in which they can try to achieve what they would like to achieve in the same way that you yourself wanted to achieve and were allowed to achieve. So I think fundamentally it comes down to, is this change something that people are willing to make? If they are, that's great. If they're not willing to make it, is it something that they can be convinced to make and wholeheartedly convinced to make? Not half measures, not, um, as I've said before, performative allyship in the absence of actual actionable change, but is actual change something that they can be convinced to make if they don't want to make that change and they cannot be convinced to make that change then ultimately the problem is with that person mm -hmm. or with those particular people who are holding back the change that clearly many people in many theaters not only in Michigan but across the country are demanding right now so then I guess the decision that you have to make is, are those particular people worth damaging your theater? Are those particular people worth damaging the future of your theater? Are those particular people worth damaging the legacy of your theater? Um, and I think that's a choice that people ultimately have to make because again, this is all about choices. Mm -hmm. Choices 2020. Mm. <laughs> All right, so we're a little over an hour. So thank you, guys. thank everybody for, for tuning in, but don't go away because we have something to tell you. Um, thank you guys for just, just taking questions and, and talking and sharing your experience. And thank you, have, Krista. You all have, now you all have some things coming up and, and, and some things to talk about. So tell yes. us what's coming up in the next few weeks. So next week we will have the part two of the Black, uh, Black Conference, Black Actor Conference. And uh, we are going to discuss the other half of the conference that we didn't get a chance to talk about. And that will include topics regarding archetypes, um, regarding doing 
doing an all black cast or doing a show by a black author and then steps to move forward for Michigan theaters. Um, and then the week after that will be another Q&A. So any questions that we may not have gotten the chance to answer here, uh, save those questions for us next time. Um, and right now, what we would also like to um, make note of with, and, and I thank Dan so much for this, um, he created a survey for our BIPOC and Latinx professional performers, um, where we want to collect a little bit of data regarding our BIPOC and Latinx actors and their experiences, their um, and what they what they have endured in Michigan theater. Um, so if you are willing to participate in that survey, uh, you can um, send send me a message on the Black and Web page. You can send me your uh, your email address. All the information will be kept confidential, so nobody will know. Uh, like if you if you have to explain a situation, your information will not be revealed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Dan? Um, because what, honestly, um, I think one of the things that's driving all of us is this idea of change for all of us. Um, so we really want to hear from everybody. Mm -hmm. um, we would love to hear from everybody. Any experiences that you have had, any feelings that you may want to express, any thoughts that you personally may have, um, please if you would be so kind and would be interested take a few minutes fill out the survey um there are a couple of questions that are going to ask about potentially sensitive topics mm -hmm. um you can fill in as much or as little as you'd like again all of these responses are going to be kept completely anonymous mm -hmm. um nothing is going to get back out into the larger community. The entire idea behind the survey was to provide a safe space for people to express their thoughts, their concerns, and their hopes. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, email the Black Show Michigan um, email address. Uh, if there's another way that we can figure out to privately disseminate um, this particular survey, we will. Um, and as Ashley noted, it is a survey for Black, Indigenous, people of color, and Latinx actors. BIPOC. Um, exactly. Let's make that acronym known. Yes, BIPOC. BIPOC plus. I mean, we love it. We're trying Might as to. Well. Right. Exactly. I, I mean, like that plus. I like that plus. It feels mm -hmm. like it, it includes a lot more. Thank you. Thank yes. you. I see yes. it's improvisation. Um, <laughs> you know, but. We, we, we want to include as many people as possible because you know we love you guys and we respect you guys and we, and we want to hear what you guys think and how you guys are feeling. So please, and if just, you would like. And just to kind of add on to that as well, it, this survey is open to um, all uh, theater actors. Yeah, uh, so, yes. so that includes uh, community, professional non-equity, equity, independent uh, theater actors. Mm -hmm. So please, by all means, we want to hear from everybody. And, and even uh, if you're not an actor, if you are a playwright, if you are a designer, mm -hmm. if you work front of house, if you're a box office manager and a person of color, we want to hear from you. If you run sound crew and you're a person of color, we want to hear from you. Literally uh, going from down at the bottom of the state to up in Marquette, 
this is for everybody. So yes, please, if you know anybody that, you know, lives further out of the Southeastern Michigan area, please, by all means, direct them to the Black End webpage or Black End Facebook page or the Black End website, blaqn.org and find our social media information from there and um, just get in contact with us um, and we can, you know, get, get, that, get that survey sent out to you. And we, our target date is July 2nd. So that is the due date that we would like to get this information in as, as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah. You have anything you wanna add, Miles? Uh not not particularly i mean just just that i don't know just this is it, just that i love i loved being a part of this i loved having this conversation i love that people are wanting to have this conversation mm -hmm. i love that people have feedback about it i think the survey is a great way as well to gauge that girl when i get off of this i'm taking the survey myself there you go. um perfect. so perfect, perfect. uh yeah no i'm just absolutely thankful for this experience so thank you guys so much both of you and everybody well, thank you today. miles for joining us like seriously yes. we really appreciate it we and i thank you, you too dan thanks girl <laughs> All thank right. you, Krista. Well, thank you, Krista. Thank, thank you, Krista. you so much, Krista. Much appreciated. Yes. Thank you guys for, for talking. Yes. So tune in next week. We will be back on here at the same time with another group of panelists. Uh, some of them will be back with us. Some of them are going to be some new ones. Miles will be joining us on that again next yeah. week. <laughs> all right. Again, thank you all for watching. My name is Ashley M. Lyle. Have a great day.